We are here once again at the Employment Hour on your Sunday afternoon, and luckily we're inside because, I mean, man, you'd be sweating like Mike Tyson in a spelling bee out there. It is warm out there, son. That'd be so bad to be outside today. You I did, would no, want that, I could right? just hear the sarcasm dripping yeah. from your voice. I know you're a massive fan of the heat, as am I, if you're close to water. But uh, you might be if you're sitting at home and you're uh, going through a uh, employment agreement or a severance package. You never know. Uh, we're here to help you. And as always, we'll cover lots of things on the show today. The number to contact always is 1-855-821-5900. Lior at employmenthour.com. Now, my friend, we always start with the week that was. That's right, Johnny. And thank you very much. Thank you for all our listeners for uh, tuning in. Uh, happy to talk about employment hour this is the uh, about employment law this is the show where you can call us and ask questions and to start us off as always john uh the week that was a couple of situations couple of cases that i dealt with uh this week uh both of them deal with uh the concept of constructive dismissal but with a bit of a of a twist uh in the first situation uh i was dealing with a long service employee i've been working for the company for over 15 years and about uh, five years ago, he negotiated a special arrangement with the owner of the company. And the arrangement was that he would be working from home four days a week mm-hmm. and one day in the office. It was a special arrangement. I'm not exactly sure what brought it about, but he and the employer had agreed on it. And that's what he'd been doing ever since. Very convenient for him. He'd only have to go to the office once, uh, once a week. Uh, you know, it, it was the reason he said that well, he stayed for the company for, for the last few years because he had that great uh, arrangement. Well, fast forward uh, to present day, a new, uh, new owner takes over mm-hmm. and looks at the situation, says, well, what is this nonsense about you working four days at home? I don't want that. Uh, I want you to be like everyone else and work five days a week in the office. And occasionally, if you need to work from home, maybe we can work it out on a one-off basis. Uh, so you're not going to get any special treatment. And on the face of it, one may think, well, you know, if he's going to be treated the same as everyone else, what's so bad about it? And, and I can understand that, except this is not a union situation. Not everyone is on the same terms. So for him, he had a deal. He worked four days a week uh, at home, one day in the office. That was an essential term of, of his employment. So when the employer now comes and says, I'm going to change that, I'm going to make it a whole different situation. Instead of working four days from home, you're going to work five days in the office. That's a huge change. That's Mm -hmm. a lifestyle change. It changes everything. So the employer did not have a right to make that change. Even though this was a special deal, even though the other employees did not have that deal, the fact that he did and then the employer changed it made it a constructive dismissal. So this employee did not have a right to accept, uh, did not have the obligation to accept this change. Uh, he could and he did, in fact, says, no, I'm not going to accept that. And if you're going to make me, that's going to be a constructive dismissal. That's an essential change to the terms of my employment. And I'm going to treat my employment as being terminated and make you employer pay severance. So what's, hmm. what's unique about it is he's not being picked on. Uh, he's really being treated as everyone else. But because his deal was as follows, he works four days from home. It's a constructive dismissal. And hey, maybe his lifestyle over that, that that time that he'd had the four days at home, maybe things, you know, he took his kid to school, maybe put him up at lunch. You never know what things of his lifestyle uh, change with that that workplace situation. Sure, had, one right? would arrange their entire life around sure. that. You know, you count on that. So absolutely, it was a very, very big deal for him, and it was clearly a constructive dismissal. Cool. Next one. Then, uh, next situation, one of my colleagues, uh, Lumi, dealt with this uh, very, very recently. 
Um, uh, the individual that Lumi spoke with uh, was on a disability leave. He had been on a disability leave for about a year and a half for medical reasons. And while he was on a disability leave, he was collecting benefits, payments from the insurance company, long-term disability, LTD. So he was getting paid. But what the employer was doing for that period of time where he was off was topping up the, uh, the insurance up to the guy's salary. So let's say the uh, insurance company paid 70% of his income. The employer was topping up the last third. Is that normal? It's not normal. Some employers have policies that they do that. They don't have an obligation to okay. do that. But this employer was doing that, and everything was fine. So fast forward a year and a half later, the employer says, wait a second. We actually realized there was a mistake. We never intended to top you up. It was almost an accounting error. Uh, so we're telling you right now that you know no more free ride for you. We're going to stop doing that. We're going to stop topping you up, and you're going to just get the money from the insurance company. Okay. Well, the, the key to understand, is, as I've just said, John, the employer did not have the obligation to top up the insurance payment. Okay. But once they did, and once they've been doing that for a year and a half, that becomes a term of employment. Nice. In fact, it's an essential term of employment. So what this now employer is doing is they're taking that back. They're changing that term of employment. So even though they didn't have a right to do it in the first place, by doing it, now t- uh, changing that, that becomes a constructive dismissal. That uh, now it reduces the person's income by 30%. So he can treat that as a constructive dismissal and not accept that, which he is going to do because an employer cannot make that change. What they could have done, by the way, is right. given notice of this change. So based on the person's age, position, and length of employment, they could have said, we're telling you now that in whatever, six months, 12 months, whatever the appropriate period of time is, we're going to make that change. They couldn't have done it now, effective immediately. Make the change, meaning we're taking off the 30%. Exactly. But that would have to be based on if, it's, if it was severance? Uh, the same analysis no kidding. if it was wow. severance. Uh, so if the, the age, position, length of employment analysis gave us 12 months, they would have had to give them 12 months notice of taking that money back. They did not do that. That's a constructive dismissal. So he's now owed full severance. Fleora at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails and we'll talk about situations when you have more seniority than you may realize. Yeah. And, you know, why is that even important? Right. Well, the reason why it's important, John, is because one of the three big factors that goes into assessing how much compensation you're going to get if your job comes to an end is the length of your employment, your seniority. So whether you have one year, 10 years, 20 years, that's a huge, huge factor. Uh, and there, there are many situations, we're going to talk about the most common ones, where someone actually has more seniority uh, than they realize. And that's important because that may mean that they get more severance than right. they realize. In fact, potentially more severance than their employer realizes. So if you're in one of these situations that we're going to talk about right now, you need to keep that in mind. If, God forbid, at some point your employment comes to an end, you're going to know that, wait a second, uh, even though the employer says I'm a two-year employee, in fact, I may be an employee with more seniority. Let's hammer through some of these. The first one you wrote down here, if you were recruited from another job. Exactly, John. So if you've been recruited from another job, what does that mean? It means that you're working somewhere, you have a secure job, maybe you've been there for a while, you're not looking to move, you're not shopping your resume, but someone comes to you, be it another company or a headhunter, and they they convince you to leave. They They say, you're the guy. Exactly. They entice you. Maybe they offer you more compensation, a better deal. Uh, You're going to have a job here for the next 40 years. And eventually they induce you, they entice you to leave uh, the job, and you join the company. 
only to be let go at some point later. Well, what happens in that situation? If you're taken away from a, a secure job with all these grandiose promises and then you're let go, well, the law says that your previous service with the previous company should be recognized in calculating your severance. So to use an example, you've had 10 years with a company and then another company comes, entices you, recruits you, and they let you go a year later. Even though on the face of it, you're, you've, you're only an employee with one year seniority, Really, in the eyes of the law, you may have 11 years seniority Inducement. because you were induced from a secure job. So now when you're looking at uh, severance, you're an 11-year employee as opposed to a one-year employee. So that's going to make a heck of a lot of difference in the amount of severance that you're getting. So if you've been recruited from another job, if you were not looking to leave, but you did leave because of the efforts of your new employer and then they let you go, your previous service may well count so you have more seniority than you realize. How much time can that new employer, how much time can last before you can no longer claim that? You've had 10 years now, not a year. Say you've been working for this new company for four years. Yeah, four is probably right? in the good number. It's probably the most that I would think you could do that for. Anything beyond four years, that previous service right. is going to go away. So you're going to be stuck with the service that you have with the new company. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got David online. Good afternoon, David. Hi, David. What we got in there? Hi, Dave. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you. Yourself? Good. You got a question for the uh, I've got a question. I, you know, what's wrong with just being assertive and, and, and just direct to an employee, you know, and, and getting rid of them just they irk you. They don't do a great job. They, they, they feel they have a sense of entitlement because of the uh, Employment Act, which I, I, I think can be unjust and a little twisted at times. Hmm. You know, if an employee is not doing their job, you know, out the door you go in my eyes, you know, but there's just so... Well, David, first of all, you absolutely are legally allowed to let someone go because, as you say, they irk you. You can do that no problem at any time. The thing is, though, if you do that, you do have to pay severance. The only time you can let someone go without severance is if you have just cause. And just cause is difficult to establish. You really have to show right. that they did something very bad, that you try to correct it, and, and you fail time and time again. But in terms of actually letting someone go, you can do that pretty much at any time for any reason, but you're going to have to pay severance. And you refer to the Employment Standards Act. The Employment Standards Act, as it relates to termination and severance, only outlines the minimum entitlements that an employee is going to be owed their full entitlements are going to be a lot more than that. So if you're going to let someone go because they irk you, that's fine. But you need to understand the associated cost. You don't want to let someone go thinking, well, I'm going to have to pay them a week's pay and then realize you have to pay them six months' pay. So if you're in a situation where you want to let someone go, you have to get some legal advice to know what your obligations are. See, the word irk, the reason why I'm using that is I'm just finding that there's a wave of employees today you know, that, that feel like they've got this sense of entitlement and they jump from ship to ship. They go and they work with you. They, they put in the bare minimum or, or just what's required. Right. No one exceeds anybody's expectations anymore. They work, at, they work at this company for a year, then they go here for a year, then they go there for a year, then they go there for a year. And it's, it's, it's like just a bunch of dominoes. Employment just, ADD, uh, right? Yeah, listen, yeah, I, 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 I'm and, a... And it's crazy, and it's just like, you know, what happened to the good workers, the ones that want to, you know climb the ladder and, and, and reach for the top and, and work for good people. I mean, it's just hard to come by. And I find, you know, it's the 25 to 35-year-old generation for some reason today. Yeah, and listen, I'm a business owner myself, and I, I know 
that the, the most important thing in running a successful business is having a good team, a good group. So I agree with you. You have to manage that. But it's not as simple as just letting someone go without compensation. That would actually be illegal, even if you have a good reason. And I think what, what David needs to do, if he's in that situation, if you've got a bad employee that doesn't seem to be pulling his weight, you know, you got to, as you said many times, start a record of things they're not right. doing. Build up a case, right? Performance management. Absolutely. Do right. that. Build up the case. Put yourself in a situation where if the employee does not improve, then you can let them go without severance nice. for cause. But it's not enough to say, you know what, Bob, uh, you know, I've, I've had enough. You're out of here unless you've done your homework and you've built up that case. And if you do say that, then you got to pay him. you got to pay him. Yeah. Absolutely. There will be a wrongful dismissal. If you are at employmenthour.com, we'll get back to our list of uh, points and our topic situations when you may have more seniority than you think. But first, we'll get to the phone. we got uh, Steve on the line. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, John. Hi, Leora. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I listen to I listen to your show all the time. Uh, a lot of information. And was to our situation. My wife owns a small uh, business. We had one major client. We were under contract for two years. Then they tendered out, um, but we were not let go at the time. They asked us to stay on until the new tender came in. That took uh, a period of six months. And that was in a, through an email correspondence saying it was a month-to-month basis. At the end of the six months, they did not respond to any communication with us. They did not extend that month to month, but they kept us on for a year and a half, and then they terminated us with one-day notice. Uh, they were the only client, and I guess, does that constitute us as being hired by them after that six-month period for that one-and-a-half duration, or are we still a subcontractor? Uh, you, you're probably a hybrid, Steve. You're probably what we call a dependent contractor, which means because of the nature of the close relationship between you and, and that other company and, and that, that you're your only client or major client, that means that if and when they terminate the relationship, they're going to be required to give you notice. They're going to be required to, to provide advance notice of that uh, uh, of the end of the relationship, which will really be almost as if you or your, your wife uh, were an employee of theirs. So depending on the total length of engagement, they mail you several months' notice. And if they didn't do that, if they just terminated the relationship right away, uh, they would have to pay you for that. So give me a call off air. Let's talk about that. But they cannot end the relationship uh, in the way that they did without any notice. Absolutely not. We're talking about situations when you have more seniority than you realize. How about if the business, uh, if, if pardon me, if the business is or was sold? Exactly, and, right. and very important to understand. A lot of people are in that situation where the business was sold at some point during the course of their employment, or is sold now, or about to be sold. Uh, so very important to, to, to know what happens to seniority. Generally speaking, when your business is sold and you continue working with the company that bought the business, mm-hmm. the buyer, your senior, uh, seniority carries through. So that means that if you were a five-year employee and your business is sold and you continue working with a new uh, employer, on your first day, you already have five years of service. So if you're let go by that, um, by that new uh, employer a year later, uh, and they may think what well, you're only a one-year employee, that would be wrong. In my example, you would be a six-year employee, five plus one. Gotcha. So uh, in, a, in the sale of a business, seniority carries through. Now, there's one thing to understand about a sale of a business is if the new employer uh, has you sign an employment right, agreement. Just going to ask that. Exactly. In that employment agreement, John, they could stipulate that uh, your past service won't count, would be dele- uh, deleted or eliminated, and you obviously don't want that. So uh, if you didn't sign an employment agreement with a new company, you just continued working, or if you signed an employment agreement that does not address your prior service. Stay your, quiet. Your prior, <laughs> exactly. Stay quiet. Don't rock the boat. Uh, and your prior service counts. So if and when you lose your, your job down the road for whatever reason, your service with the previous company, with the previous owner, 
does count, and that can increase your severance significantly. More seniority if you have gaps in your service with the company. Describe that. Yeah, so uh, here's a common situation, John. Uh, uh, you work for a company for uh, five years. You leave for a year. Uh, let's say you, you either let go or you quit, and you come back a year later, and then you work for another five years. So, and then you're let go. So are you then a five-year employee or are you something else? Where generally speaking, when the, the gap in service is relatively short in comparison to the overall length of employment, that gap could be disregarded. So if you're working for 10 years and you were gone for a year, really that, that one year may actually be a short gap in a span of a 10 years. So you may well be a 10-year employee even though you didn't work for the company for a year. Or potentially when you came back from uh, your, your, you resigned and then you were hired back a year or two years later, if at that point your employer implicitly recognized your past service. So we're not going to treat you as a new employee, John, because we know you. We're going to give you four weeks vacation right off the bat. We're going to give you a higher salary. So we're implicitly recognizing that service. So that means that service counts. So in many situations, when you work for a company for a while, but not necessarily for the whole duration of the time, we may look at your total year's work, even if there's gaps, and calculate your seniority on that basis. So very important. I would love to know how many companies come through your office uh, with questions that aren't even aware of that. They just treat everybody's new employee with a, with a year's gap. Oh, yeah. happens all the time. Right. And a lot of employees, a lot of employers don't know that. So if, I'm, if I am have my, my employer advisor hat on, mm-hmm. so I'm advising an employer, and I'm saying, okay, employer, you're going to be hiring this new person. They used to work for you in the past. That's fine but you want to have them sign an employment agreement that makes it clear that they're a new hire and that no past service is going to be considered or accounted for. That's what an employer would want to do for an employee. They would want to see if they're implicitly or implicitly can have their prior service recognized. Nice. We're going to bounce back over to our topic for this afternoon show, and that is situations where you have may, uh, may have more seniority than you think. First, get to an email. As promised, Catherine writes in. She uh, emailed leeoranemploymenthour.com. Says, I was let go from my job. My employer says that they don't have any money to pay severance. What do I do? Well, it's an interesting question, and, and, and it could be a problem, but you know, let, let's, lay, uh, let's set this out. First of all, from a legal standpoint, uh, you know, the law doesn't distinguish between employers with a lot of money and uh, employers with little money for, when it comes to severance. So whether she works for a company with a very meager budget or a multinational corporation, it's not going to change how much severance she's actually owed. Mm-hmm. The amount of severance is based on age, position, and length of employment, not the size of the company, not the company's bank account. Mm-hmm. Okay, So what does that mean? That means that she's owed what she's owed. The problem is you cannot get blood from a stone. Right. So if this company owes her $50,000, just as an example, in severance, and they cannot pay it, well, that's a problem. What are you going to do? So in many of these cases, uh, if, if the company is out of business or about to be out of business, uh, you know, you may wait to see if they do better. Uh, otherwise, you may be able to get judgment against them for the amount and potentially enforce against whatever uh, assets uh, or property they have. Maybe they own the building or equipment or they have accounts, uh, uh, accounts payable, that, uh, that, uh, money that's coming in, etc. But really, it's a question of whether, not, not whether they want to pay or should they have to pay. It's a question of can they pay. Even if you go to court and you get judgment against the company, that judgment is ultimately a piece of paper. Right. You need to be able to enforce it. So what I would say to Catherine, give me a call. Let me do some research about this company and find out really what their situation is to determine whether or not they actually have the ability to pay. 
because it's not an excuse, really. Uh, we don't have the money. Your legal obligations are what they are. Because accredited lenders and everybody get paid first before you do. Everybody and, and books, Secured right? creditors, yeah. yeah. Usually yeah. it's the bank, et cetera. Yes, yeah. they, they get paid first. But if the company is still operating, okay, if the company uh, has employees, it has a payroll, it has clients and customers, then the company is going to have some money, and they cannot use the we don't have money as an excuse. That's why I say give me a call, Catherine. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Situations when you have more seniority than you may realize, uh, the name of the company or corporate structure changes. Yeah, and, and you know this actually happens quite often. And uh, just over the last year alone, we've dealt with about three matters like that in my office. And, and here's a common scenario. So you work for a company, John, and at some point the employer says, We've made some corporate uh, changes. The name of your employer now, instead of being XYZ, is XYZA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and effective tomorrow, you're going to get paid through that company. So that's an internal discussion or an internal change that the employer may make. Maybe they de- decide to run their payroll through a different company. It does not mean that you now become a new employee mm-hmm. of that company. If you have a job, if you work in that job, uh, you do the same thing continuously and nothing really changes for you. The fact that in the background, the employer may have decided to make some corporate changes does not restart your seniority. So if you fast forward and then you're let go uh, you know, five years later, you're not a five-year employee because that's how long you've worked for this la- latest iteration of the company. Right. You, your full seniority counts, even though uh, the name of the company that, that employed you for the first 10 years was different. So an employer cannot get around their legal obligation through corporate maneuvering. Right. Otherwise, everyone would do that. Just before I fire you, John, I would have a new company employ you, and then I let you go and say, well, you only work for this new company for a day, yep. so we owe you nothing. So that doesn't work. So you do have sever- uh, seniority, uh, even if your uh, the name of your employer changes. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got Frank on the line. Hi, Frank. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I talked to a, a, a employment lawyer years ago. I thought I was facing a constructive dismissal. Okay. Um, and, and this was just an acquaintance, by the way. And she told me that if I went up against her with a constructive dismissal, she'd just keep me in court till I was bankrupt and I'd get nothing. Yeah, that, and you know what? That, that's absolutely nonsense, Frank. Uh, these matters, constructive dismissal, wrongful dismissal, unlike many other legal disputes, are easy to resolve, uh, and, and they're quick to resolve, and they're not expensive uh, for the most part. So, no, that if someone told you that they were trying to intimidate you, they were trying to dissuade you uh, in a very unethical and unprofessional way, the, the reality is, the bad news, I guess, is if you were dissuaded by that, you probably walked away. Again, I don't know anything about your case, but that would not or should not have been a reason to walk away from it. Uh, this is not, these things don't drag on. In fact, over the last few years, the legal system has been streamlined even more to allow employees that have been let go to resolve these matters that much quicker. So uh, that, that's, anyone listening, please don't be intimidated about pursuing your legal entitlements. There are a lot of other types of cases that can drag on, can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Employment cases, for the most part, not one of them. Plus, the big elephant in the room with that excuse would be the fact, okay, you tie me up in court, it's costing you money too. Wouldn't it make more sense for you just to settle up with me? Right. Really? And, and, you know, and, and, and employers on. think about that too. And it's not even a question about 
Well, the employer has money to fight this. Of course they do. But an employer is also going to make a business decision. Are we going to spend $30,000 to save 10? Most employers are going to say no. Uh, So please don't be worried about that. It's really not a factor. I have yet to see any situation where that happens, and I've been doing this for a very long time. Situations uh, where you may have more seniority than you realize. How about if you're on a disability leave? How does that affect it? Yeah, and and, here's the situation. If you're on a disability leave, let's say you haven't worked for the last year, two, five uh, and, and your employment has not been terminated, that time on the disability leave counts towards your seniority. It counts towards your service. So if you, were, you, you worked for five years, went on disability for three years, came back to work, you're then an eight-year employee, even though you haven't worked for the last three mm-hmm. years. So if you've been on a disability leave, you, you haven't worked for a period of time, but you have still been an employee, you have that full seniority uh, count towards your length of service, Time spent on a disability leave, on a medical leave of absence, uh, on a, a maternity leave, paternity leave, that all counts towards your overall seniority. Didn't you have, didn't we, we talked about this poor situation, had there was some lady who was off for like 35 years or something, wasn't we she on did, disability? yes. It's a crazy, crazy situation where my client actually was her employer, mm-hmm. uh, and they realized that this lady had worked for them two years, then went on a disability leave, and stayed there, and that was over 30 years ago. Would, and and literally, they had forgotten about her. Wow. The problem is they have now this liability. They have a 30-plus-year employee on their hands. And, and you know what, what do they do if one day she says, guess what? I, I want to come back to work now. And they don't have a job for her. They're going to terminate a 32-year employee. It's, it's, it's a whole mess. So that's a, that's a very extreme oh, example. Yeah. But it certainly uh, underscores the point that if you spend time on a disability leave, that counts towards your overall service. LeordEmploymentHour.com. We'll go back to talking about our talking points today, which is situations where you have more seniority than you realize. First, so we'll talk to uh, Tom. Hi, Tom. Good afternoon. Hi. I just had a quick question here. This is happening to my cousin as well. Um, when you're in sales, you're in sales, and it's usually, you know, maybe a salary plus bonus and commission or strive done straight commission sales as well. Um, where I used to work, and my cousin's going through this, I was an employee, so I had, you know, a salary plus commission. Right. Um, and then that's switched over to you're no longer an employee here, no longer salary, no more CPP, no more benefits, no more workers' comp, all that sort of stuff. So, so in essence, I could make more money. But when they switched over, are they supposed to pay people out? Or are they like, you know what, do you want this job or do you want to just take your pay out and leave or what? No, it's, it's a great question, Tom. A very, very good question. I've certainly seen quite a few of these situations. If they are saying, okay, you were an employee up until now, starting next week, whatever it is, you're not going to be an employee. You're going to be an independent contractor. That is a termination, 100%. So that means they're legally obligated to pay out, to pay severance. And then if they want to work out a new deal, or the employee wants to work out a new deal to continue working on a different basis, that's fine. But they still have to pay out severance. And if they don't do that, that is completely illegal. Uh, now, that said, if, if your cousin wants to continue working, he may not press the point. He may say, I'll, I'll let them get away with it because I want to continue the relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't want to upset them. But legally speaking, Tom, they would have to pay out immediately. That is a termination like any other. Okay. No, that's interesting. But you know what? As you said, if you end up making more money and you still work, right. you don't want to press anything. You're right. I mean, if, yeah. if it's his, in his interest to kind of keep his mouth shut on that topic, continue yeah. working, hopefully making more money, I mean, that's his decision. Yeah. Just suck it up. Yeah. yeah but legally, yeah. they would have to pay. 
And uh, if they, is there certain parameters they would have to change to make him an independent contractor? We've been through this, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it's certainly not enough to say, well, we decided we just liked you to, have, to be an independent right. contractor. So guess what? Effective next week, we're going to stop taking taxes off your yep, check, and exactly. then you're, it's your responsibility. That's nonsense. Of course, that doesn't make you an independent contractor. They would have to create a whole new relationship where maybe now the person doesn't have fixed hours. Uh, he, doesn't, he can work wherever he wants. Uh, there, there's no, uh, he's responsible for his own expenses. Uh, and, and he's really independent from the company. He's not tied into the company. Uh, and if you create that type of relationship, maybe you're an independent contractor. In most of these situations, you can't just magically stop being an employee on day one and become an independent contractor on day two. It just doesn't work. In the eyes of the law, you remain an employee. So for employers, understand that if you're uh, uh, changing the status of your employee to an independent contractor, you probably are not actually doing that. Uh, And if they remain an employee, your liability to them increases. But even worse than that, potentially, if CRA ever comes and looks at that and agrees with what I just said, that this person really, in our eyes, remained an employee, but you didn't take off taxes, you didn't take off EI and CPP off their checks, there's going to be fines, penalties, interest, etc. So it's a a whole uh, potential problem there. 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400, star 640. So let's bounce over. In fact, let's run over a few uh, separate scenarios by you. So um, you worked for, uh, for a year. You're a general manager of a store, we'll say. You're 45 years old. How much severance do you get after that? And, you know, the reason why, you know, that, that's a good one for us to talk about is a lot of people say, okay, you're, you're a year, you're employed for a year. Maybe you get a couple of weeks pay, maybe yeah. three weeks, maybe a month if you're lucky. Uh, and that's what you're owed. Well, in that type of analysis, a uh, general manager of a store, one year, 45 years old, probably looking at four, five, or as much as six months of severance. Somewhere in that four to six month range is what this person would be owed. And remember, we look at age, position, and length of employment. And short service employees are often treated disproportionately better than longer service employees. So in that situation, even though one would think a year of employment, that's two weeks, three weeks, maybe four weeks Mm -hmm. of severance, that could be easily as much as six months. That's why I always say, John, Please don't assume anything. If you're let go, if you're looking at a severance package, get someone that knows what they're talking about to look at it and to advise you whether it's good or not. And at least, you know, severancepaycalculator.com and run it through there first to see what you come up with, right? Excellent. Which we'll get to. Excellent starting point. Severancepaycalculator.com. You can do it at any time uh, right off your phone or your tablet or your, your desktop. Okay, how about this? You're 55-year-old construction worker. Now, we know about them. They don't think they get anything. Uh, and you've worked for the company for, say, 30 years. So how much severance in that situation? Well, one would think, well, it's a construction. And if you ask a lot of employers in that area, in the construction field, they'll say, well, we don't have to pay anything. Construction, everyone knows you don't get anything. Exactly. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, Even in the construction industry, the same analysis applies, age, position, and length of employment. Now, your minimum entitlements may be different if you're in the construction uh, field. Your full entitlements to severance are going to be exactly the same. So in your situation, 30 years of service, 55-year old construction employee, you could easily be owed two years pay, two years severance. So even though your employer may think, you may think, Construction, no severance. In fact, you would be owed two years' pay uh, on that example. So please, there are no people that don't get severance for the most part. Everyone is entitled to severance. So give me a call if you're ever in that situation. I just heard a bunch of guys drop their heart out when you said that, going, Probably. really? I get something? I'd like to uh, bounce right over to the phones here in the last few minutes of the show for this particular weekend. In that regard, we got uh, Sanjay. Good afternoon, Sanjay. 
Hi there. Great show, Leo. Nice to be on the air and uh, get your advice. Thank you. Um, so the situation is uh, currently in a contract uh, that started three months ago. The hours were the right, you know, standard nine to five. Uh, what management have now done is they're going to implement shift work. So they're going to implement a 6 a.m. till 3 in the afternoon and a 3 till um, 11 p.m. So based on those changes in the hours, disruptive hours, if someone is unable to uh, work either of those shifts, um, are they eligible for severance? And also, second question is, if someone's working under a contract, they're not uh, directly employed by the employer, uh, is there any stipulation or do I have to look at the contract that is signed? Uh, excellent questions, uh, Sanjay. So let's let's start with the, the second question first. Uh, for, you, you may, in fact, be on a contract and not technically an employee, but as I was saying before, if you're uh, working regularly for the company 9 to 5, you're an employee of that company uh, irrespective of what the piece of paper says. You're an employee of that company, so you would be entitled to severance, no question about it. Now, your question is, uh, I was hired to work 9 to 5. That's what I've been doing for the past few months. Mm -hmm. Now they want to change it to a situation where occasionally I may have to work different shifts, different hours. That is obviously a huge change. So you do not actually have the obligation to do that. So you could treat that as a constructive dismissal. If they're going to now change your hours of work, and it's one thing if they said instead of 9 to 5, it's going to be 8.30 to 4.30, it may not be such a significant change. But instead of 9 to 5, you're not going to work evenings and nights potentially on occasion. That would absolutely be a constructive dismissal. So you're able to treat that change as a termination of employment as a constructive dismissal. Now, depending on how long you've worked, you've been there for three months, so it's possible that in your specific situation, the amount of severance may not be great just because of the uh, short length of service. But are you owed severance? Absolutely. And any of your colleagues that are in that situation as well, where their hours are being changed, irrespective of whether they're quote-unquote under contract, would be entitled to severance too. They wouldn't have to pay the rest of the contract as severance? If there's a fixed term, if there's a fixed end date on the contract, right. so you were hired for a year, then absolutely they'd have to pay the end of the contract. If it was a contract but not for a, a specific period of time, they would have to pay severance based on age, position, length of employment. Thanks, Sanjay. Good call. Let's get to the severance pay calculator. Well, severance pay calculator, you know, Sanjay or anyone in that situation where they may be constructively dismissed or flat out terminated, and the main question is, wait a second, how much notice or how much severance am I owed? How much do they have to pay me? I've worked for six months, for a year, for 20 years, whatever it is. Well, we created the tool, Severance Calculator. It's available for free. It's easy to use, severancepaycalculator.com. You go there and you input your information. It's going to tell you how much you are owed, be it a month, six months, 24 months, or anything in between. Mm -hmm. It's going to tell you exactly how much you're owed. So it, it works just fine in a constructive dismissal situation and works on a termination without cause. Uh, it works whether you're old or young or in a senior position or entry-level position. So everyone should use that. Tell your friends about that. If they lost their job or you're, you're having a, a beer with your friend and he's concerned about losing their job, Tell them about Severance Pay Calculator. Inform them. Give them the tools to at least know how much they'd be owed. Uh, I think everyone should should have that handy. It's a very uh, useful tool. And don't be shocked by the number. No, the come number out is with. It's right. We've yeah. gone through yeah. it 17 times from Tuesday. It's right. It's correct. There's no bugs in the system. If the amount is higher than what you expect, it's probably because your expectations were wrong. Right. The amounts are correct. They're, don't be shocked. Last minute here. How about terminationquestions.com? This uh, is great, too. So, yeah, if you you want to have an answer to a question, you, 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 not just, you don't just want to know about how much severance. You want to know whether you're owed something, if your employer is allowed to do something. 
We created an extension of our uh, radio show, terminationquestions.com. Again, it's free. It's anonymous. You can ask a question. The, the answer is by myself or one of my colleagues is going to be posted anonymously on the, uh, on the website. Feel free to ask questions, as many as you want. There's already a database of hundreds and hundreds of right. questions that have been answered already. Take a look there. Learn about employment law. Don't be shy. Ask your questions. Done for another week, my friend. Excellent job. We will return next Sunday. In the meantime, you have questions. It is 1-855-821-5900. That's Lior's number. Or you can email Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour right here. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM, on, uh, AM 900 CHML.